Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, so remember what we've been talking about, guys. Um, I was talking to my brother last night on the way home, and um, my brother tells me, I don't like you talking about the Antichrist. I don't like that stuff. We're not going to be here anyway. And I go, I know, but, but we got to talk. Well, I, don't like, I don't like when you talk about the Antichrist. Okay, well, remember what we've been talking about, okay? For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the wrath of God. And that's not a real popular subject. Can you imagine, our, can you imagine if we put a big old uh, a billboard out there or a big old uh, you know, church sign says, come listen to the wrath of God, you know, Wednesdays at Calvary. You know, I mean, you're not going to get a whole lot of people going, hey, I want to go, I want to, go to that message. But we've been talking about that, guys, and chapter 6 of Revelation is ushered in what we call the seals of God, okay? And we saw great destruction upon the earth, and we saw the Antichrist come on the scene, and then we see, we, we, we see that it's followed with seven seals of judgment, and it starts with the very first one, war. See, we learned that the Bible says that it was granted to the one who sat on the fiery red horse to take peace from the earth. And because it's future, guys, it's hard for us to really wrap our mind around any of that because it is future. But think about this. There's going to be this great, imagine, world war. I don't know if it's World War Three or whatever it might be. But then we see that, well, the third seal was opened, and we saw famine. And the fourth seal came, and there was death. And of course, death, yeah, Pastor Ben, from what? Well, the Bible says from the sword. Guys, not really swords. You guys understand, that's that's warfare from hunger. And then it also says from the beasts of the earth. But you could see, guys, after today, here's what I want you, I want to put a little, I want to put a little tidbit in your brain. After today, you're going to see how, how mice and rats and all kinds of stuff could actually populate and cause death after we see what's about to go down today. Then we saw the fifth seal. Do you guys remember the fifth seal? It was a martyred remnant, a remnant there in, there in heaven. And these were the souls, guys, if you recall, they were under the altar. And they had been slain, guys, for the word of God and their testimony. We saw them last week. And they're going to be the ones serving God day and night, day and night, day and night. They're not the church, Bethany. They're not the church. The church is already raptured. So it's a different class. Something very interesting. If you and I were having a conversation, something very interesting if you're going through the Bible in, uh, on the one-year Bible, you would notice that the Gibeonites came in and deceitfully tricked Joshua into letting them to making a covenant. You know that, right? But what were they? They were woodcutters and servers, basically, for, for Israel the rest of the time. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. They're not Israel, but they're serving Israel. Just an interesting parallel. Just a very interesting parallel. And you have these martyrs. And they were slain. And they're crying out, Lord, how long? How long are you going to... Now, here's the point. The point is, guys, is that, is that we saw them 
And it was, it was, it was interesting. And I was thinking, most people, guys, living today, most people might think, man, you know what? The stuff he said, that isn't from God. Because we've seen it most of our lives. These are, these are circumstances we live in this world. These, these are happenstance. Well, we see that the sixth seal comes in and there were catastrophes of major proportion. Things that you and I cannot fathom. Guys, there's going to be great earthquakes. Well, pastor, we've always had earthquakes. No, these are great earthquakes. The Bible says the sun is going to be black. Um, imagine what would happen if the sun became black, guys, it, it would become dark. It would become awful. It would be very scary. We'll see. Well, we still have the moon. Well, the Bible says the moon is going to become like blood. And we saw that a while back. We called them a blood moon. And I remember Nathalie and I sitting out in the truck and we watched as this red haze covered the moon and it was a blood moon. It was really kind of eerie as you could see. This is what's going to happen. The Bible says the stars are going to, the stars of heaven are going to fall to earth. And then it says this, and I found it interesting. The sky receded as a scroll, and mountains and islands are going to be removed. So, Lubbock, Texas might have a mountain someday. You know, it's very flat, but it might, I don't know, maybe. I know that's going to be bad. See, and then last week, we talked about the people, and I want you to catch this, guys. Uh, the people that are saved during the Great Tribulation. You see, because I know what's going to happen. You and I are going to be about our business, Santos. We're going to be doing, we're going to hear that trumpet. It's going to be in our soul. We're going to be gone. In a, in a twinkling of an eye, Mike, a twinkling, boom, half a blink, we're out of here. But people who have been walking on the fence, people who have been playing church, people who are, well, I'm not really sure, you know, uh, they're going to see, oh, 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 what, what you've been saying is real. What, what's going on? This is real, and they're, there's going to be a lot to get saved. Here's the only difference, Amanda. Amanda, the only difference is that they're going to have to die for their faith. Okay? The Antichrist, the government, all of that stuff is not going to let them go, oh, okay, well, let's just live and can't we just all get along and just be peaceful? This is what's going to happen. They're going to die for their faith. And in chapter 7, guys... We saw a break in the action. We saw a break in the action. You know what? Well, we talked about two groups, okay? We saw 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and of course, the ones we just talked about, those martyred. So you have 144,000, and then you have the, the tribulation saints, if you will, okay? But I'm thinking, I don't think it's going to be as easy as we think to die for your faith, that's not be like, I gave my life to Jesus. Okay, I'm ready to die. I think there's going to be torture. There's going to be pain. There's going to be Natalie was telling me about a book, guys, that she read. And it's called Tortured for Christ. I don't know if you've read it or thought about it, but it's, it talks about a fellow who was basically beaten within an inch of his life. Okay? asked to renounce Christ, would not put him back in the freezer. They kept doing that day after day after day just to try to get him to renounce Christ. So it's not going to be, hey, oh, it's tribulation. Oh, okay, let's just kill you. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is they want to get you to renounce Christ. This is what's going on. So now that brings us to chapter 8. 
Chapter 8, we're going to see just tonight four terrible trumpets. Four terrible trumpets. Now you go, wait, 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 Ben, wait a minute, wait a minute. We covered six seals, but you said there were seven. You said there were seven. Well, very good, church. Listen, this is the seventh seal. You say, how's that? The seventh seal is that the Lord opens, ushers the seven trumpets of doom. Okay? In other words, here's what's going to happen. It's going to get worse, much worse. Your attention, please. I think 2020, looking back, we thought it was really bad. But I think our world's going to get worse. It's going to get worse as we progress. And I think 2020 was a wake-up call for the church. Let's go. Wake up, guys. This could happen. This is going to go down. But I think as we move forward, this is what this is what's happening in the tribulation, okay? So in other words, it's going to get worse, much worse. Now, during the first three and a half years of the tribulation, God, although bringing judgment on a world that rejected him, now you remember, there are going to be people going, no, thank you, Lord. I don't want anything to do with you. They're shaking their fist at God. I see his mercy is going to come shining through. You go, what do you mean, there's mercy? We're, we're right in the middle of a judgment. How can you say that God is merciful? Okay, use your imagination, guys. Put on your thinking cap. Imagine the creator of the universe, all-powerful, almighty. If God wanted to be done with the earth, two seconds and it's over. That's all it takes. He's that powerful. Okay, we could be wiped up. But what his judgments are designed to do, now listen, write this down. His judgments are designed to help the unbeliever recognize his need, his or her need for him. That's what its judgment does. I need Jesus. Does it work? Well, many came to, many will come to know Jesus in that time. And you go, who? Well, let's just say there are a lot of people right now and we're praying for them, but they're running from God. There are a lot of people running from God right now. Those who are on the fence, but haven't committed to their life, haven't committed their life here. Think about those people. You realize that when you take notes and they know that you're in church, they know you're a churchgoer, and you write stuff down and you have your Bible and you highlight your Bible and you do all this stuff, that's the one thing they're going to look for. Do you realize that, that, okay, so back in the day, we used to have tapes. We used to record tapes, and then we went, went to CDs, and now we have podcasts. But guess what's going to happen? The enemy is going to destroy the podcasts because he's the prince of the power of the air. And so people are going to be looking. They're going to be in churches looking for tapes. They're going to be in churches looking for CDs. They're going to look for anything that remotely. They're going to find your notes on this and even in your notes, you could be putting on there, you know. You're going to be putting those things, guys, that are going to try to help those that are left behind find their way. Ben, I have a question. Why would a good God send people to hell? Or why would a good God leave people on earth? I don't understand. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He gives us an opportunity to surrender. And he makes a way. And he goes through great lengths 
But every one of us has a choice. And that choice comes down to whether we're going to put our faith and trust in him or we're going to try on ourselves. You see, God tells us in his word, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Guys, that's God's mercy. Oh, how we need to hold on to that. And see, God's heart hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason, the reason the Lord hasn't come back right now is because he's merciful. He's long-suffering. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants all of us. He wants all of us. How do we get this message out? How do we tell people? How do we share? That's what he says. Well, Jesus should have come back. You guys have been saying Jesus is coming back. No, no, no. He's, he's patient. He's waiting for you to repent. So, with that as our intro, guys, I want to continue, but I want to start this. I want to start our study with a quote from Pastor Chuck. Okay? Pastor Chuck used to say, quote, whenever I read the eighth chapter of Revelation, he says, I'm kind of, well, it reminds me of the kind of fireworks display you see on the 4th of July. Everybody go back to the 4th of July. He says, the first loud explosion paints dozens of brilliant colors and everybody gasps in appreciation. Oh, wow. He says, but by the time you, you, you have time to catch your breath, there's another brilliant display and another and another. He says, this is the picture we get from the seven judgments. As they come br- bursting forth upon the earth, John tells us that he saw seven angels with seven trumpets, and the trumpets sounded, and God's wrath poured out. Now, we started with famine. We started with death. We saw all of this stuff happening, and God's going, will you guys wake up? But there's a group of people that are not going to wake up. He says, okay, okay, here's, here's the second one. Now, one of the reasons why I'm glad we're studying the book of Revelation, as difficult as this is, because the tribulation is not fun. It's necessary and essential considering the times we're living in. And my prayer is that none of us are playing around with sin, flirting with temptation, or maybe you dropped your guard in any way. My prayer, guys, is as we work through this portion of Scripture, that it will literally bring us to a place of confession and repentance. My prayer is the Holy Spirit would fall so thick on all of us, even those watching online, that we would see great revival. That's my prayer. Why? Because hell is a real place. And I don't want anyone to end up there. You know how you realize your purpose in life? Not just a calling, but your purpose like what you were created for. This is what this is what I was created for. I don't want to see anybody go to that place. Man, this is heavy. 
but it's nothing compared to what we're going to learn today. You guys ready? Let's jump in. Let's look at the calm before the storm. Revelation 8, 1 and 2. Okay? So chapter 8 picks up the chronology of the seventh seal. Everybody got that, okay? This is the chronology of the seventh seal. Verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, that's very interesting because chapter 8, verse 1 says, okay, here's the seventh seal. It's about to, it's about to go down, but it's about to, it's so heavy, guys, that there's, there's silence, okay? Here's a unique response of opening the seventh seal, okay? Something that heaven hasn't experienced ever before. You go, really? Yeah, silence. Silence. It's so riveting that although John probably didn't have a timepiece, like he's not wearing a watch, you guys understand that, but he understood and he knows it's about half an hour. It's about half an hour. Okay? Now, if you remember, up until this point, John, guys, John heard a lot of noise in heaven. Chapter 4, verse 5 says, guys, there were, there were from the throne proceeding lightnings and thunders and voices. So John, there's a lot going on in heaven. In verse 8, he said, four living creatures, and they do not rest day or night, saying, holy, holy, holy God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. In verse 11 of chapter 4, the 24 elders are singing. There's a lot going on. In chapter 5, the strong angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy? Angels are praising. And every time we've seen a heavenly scene, if you will, in this book, it's filled with a lot of commotion, a lot of action, a lot of praise. But now, there's an ominous silence. Think about it. Everything's going on, it just stops. And the dreadful seal. Listen to me. It's sort of implied that everyone in heaven can see what's about to happen. Oh. Guys, it's so... I don't even... Guys, I don't, know, I don't even know the word. Can you think about what's about to go down on earth? And that all of us in heaven are like, quiet for about half an hour. It's a silence of awe and dread to see what's coming. Again, imagine heaven is worshiping. Four living creatures, elders are worthy, angels are praising, tribulants are are praying, and then all of a sudden, silence. And you go, why? That's a good question. Actually, we're not sure. But some have suggested, guys, that it's the lull before the storm. It's the calm before the storm. Why? Because things are about to get really intense. Intense. Earl Palmer, in his commentary in Revelation, says, It communicates a dramatic way of the full and awesome authority of God. Everything must wait for his kingly move. End quote. So what happens next? Well, first there's silence. And then we see verse 2. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, here's what I want you to see, guys. I want you to see the definite article. You go, what I mean? It's uh, underlined the, okay? It's the seven angels. You go, what does that mean? 
Well, the definite article uh, implies basically that these are not just angels. These are not just any angels. They seem to be a unique group. You go, how so? This is a group set apart. These have often been called, you can, you can circle that, make a little arrow, and you can put, these are presence angels. These are presence angels. See, the verb stands is in the present tense, which indicates that they were present, they were in the presence of God and had been there for some time. These are present, these are not just any angels, these are presence, and, and, and there in several scriptures, they give us the idea that there are some sort of, of ranking angels, like Michael, the archangel, right? There's some sort of group. Now, this group seems to be very high-ranking. Why? Well, Gabriel was probably in this group. You go, why would you say that? Because you guys remember in Luke chapter 1, verse 19, he appeared to Zacharias, and the angel says, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. So these are, these are the, these are angels that are in the presence of God. And as John watched, remember, God is just giving all of this stuff. Each one of these angels were given a trumpet in preparation for what we call the temple judgments that were about to follow. Okay? Now here's what I want you to do. Now, you guys are note takers. Here's what I want you to see. Trumpets are the most significant musical instruments in the Bible. Trumpets. But see, they're associated with many different events. Well, like what? Well, over in Numbers 10, you don't have to go there, but remember, there were two trumpets, and they were used to gather the people together. That was one of them, but the other was to announce war. So you always had trumpets, okay? They also had another trumpet that would announce, hey, let's gather together. These trumpets here are, are going to announce judgment. Judgment. Well, what's happening? Well, let's look at number two, cries before the throne. We saw the calm before the storm. Here's the cries before the throne. Okay? Revelation 8, 3 says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Wow. Here we see the prayers of God's people answered. See, the golden altar, guys, if, you, if your mind goes back in the Old Testament, remember the tabernacle, okay? It's a model of what we're reading about here. There were two altars, okay? Going in, you would have the brass altar. You guys remember that, where they would sacrifice animals, okay? Sunday, we talked about the third temple. They're going to, they already have this golden altar, okay? But they also had a golden altar of incense before the veil of the Holy of Holies, okay? Now, the Lord spends 16 chapters in the book of Exodus explaining how this tent was built and what the materials were used, okay? He, he, he goes through. Now, here's the reason. The reason is twofold. See, as we get in, into, as we're going to get in shortly, it's incredibly symbolic of the picture of Jesus, but also it's a rough layout of heaven, See, the tabernacle had two compartments. You had the holy place. You had the holy of holies. You had the temple veil. And then the veil, you had the golden altar of incense. The priest would come in with the golden censer. The censer contained in which incense was burned. He would take the censer and put it on the altar. But guess what it represented? It represented the prayers of the people. You're like, oh, oh. Now, here's what blows my mind. Okay, here's what blows my mind. Think about this. 
I don't know what heaven's going to be like. This is just my opinion. So I'm standing over here. This is my opinion only. Everybody got that? Just my opinion. But if, but if the temple and the tabernacle and what he explains to us here, all of that Exodus 16, there, there's different compartments. I wonder if heaven's going to be like that. I just started thinking, you know, the court of the Gentiles? What if those are going to be like uh, people who, I don't know, who, who, who didn't do much for Jesus, didn't really serve him, but got into heaven? And what if, like, you come in and then now all of a sudden there's, there's just different compartments. You have the court of the women. You have, you have you come in and then you have the, where the prayer of the saints are and you have the sacrifices. And then you go into what we call the holy place. And, and maybe that's where, where those who served the Lord went in. And then you go into, well, the temple veil was torn in. Then you have the holy of holies. I don't know. Just a thought. Those are things that I just go, wow, what's heaven going to be like? Are we all going to be just standing around in white robes going, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be crazy. I know we're going to have jobs there. We're not just going to sit, right? Everybody picture, well, who wants to go to heaven? You're just going to be on a cloud going, ah, just resting in heaven for eternity. That's not what heaven's going to be like. Think about it. You're going to have a job. You're going to be serving the Lord. You, you remember, after the tribulation, guys, we're going to come back down, and he's going to reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. What are you going to be doing? We're going to be forcing righteousness on the people who do make it through the tribulation. Wait a minute. I thought God's going to wipe out everybody in the seven years. No, no. There's going to be people that make it through. Population will continue. People will continue to have babies. People continue. I mean... Here's an, here in Revelation, guys, let's, let's read it again. He says, then, notice, verse 3, another angel. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that. Why? Because this means here, guys, it's, a, it's another angel, okay? And it does the same. Another angel of the same kind, okay? Like the seven with the trumpets, this is another present. It doesn't give us a name, but this is another of the same kind. Now, here's what I want you to note. This incense is offered with the prayer of the saints. This gives us some insight onto how God views our prayers. Okay? Okay, let's talk about prayer for just a moment. This is the incense. It's beautiful. God answers the prayers of his children. You go, wait, 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 stop, stop. Listen to me. All prayers. Everybody say all prayers. Past, present, they're wrapped up and symbolized in this action. You go, what does that mean? God answers your prayer. You guys know that. Sometimes the answer, Linda, is yes. I will answer that. Boom. I will do that. Sometimes the answer is no. Now, let's, can, we, can we chat for just a moment? When, when God answers yes, I'm doing the happy dance. God answered yes. He answered my prayer. Woo, this is great. When God says no, do we, do we rejoice? God said no. But he answered prayer. I know, but he said no. Do we? We should be just as excited. God said no. Amen. Yeah, but you didn't get what you want. God said no. It's okay. He knows better. 
We don't, do we? We get all excited when we get what we want, and we get super bummed when God says no. But he also has one more. Did you know that? You know what it is? It's wait. It's wait. Not yet. Hang on in my time. Do you know that if I tell my granddaughter maybe or wait, you know what she takes that as? Yes. Grandpa said yes. It's wait. It's wait. It's maybe. Maybe. But sometimes God, he just knows. How many of us have a hard time trusting God with wait? With wait. And then we look back and we go, oh, (laughs) he knew better. He knew better. He knew better. But let me say this, guys. We can rejoice in the fact that God answers all prayers. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Okay? Keep praying. Our prayers being like the incense pictures two things. One, the smoke is rising. It doesn't stand still, guys, so your prayers are always going up. Okay? And two, the incense is kind of like a a present day, I don't know, I was going to say potpourri, but it's more like, what is it that you do? Sensi? Yeah. You know, it smells good. Ah. And our prayers come to God like like a fresh bouquet of flowers. That's his view. That's his view. You go, what does that mean? How should we look at prayer? If God looks at prayer like, ah, Becky's praying, oh, this is praying. Wow, that smells good. How should we pray? Should we flippantly just, God, do this. God, I hope you do that. But Lord, bless me here. God, we should take time to pray. Acknowledge who he is. Be careful. Hey, what you doing? I'm praying to the men upstairs. The men upstairs, what are you doing? Renting a room? That's not who God is. Let's give him honor, the honors due. But go look, look back at your prayer life, man. Look back. How, how do we pray? Because he sees my prayers as, ah, oh, Pastor Ben is praying. I don't know if he calls me Pastor Ben. But he's going to say, you know, Ben's praying. Ah, I'm going to answer him. I'm going to answer him. Matter of fact, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him. And sometimes I come down here, guys, and my prayer is like, very quick, Santos, very quick, to the point. Let's go. Wow. But notice what the angel does next. Guys, look at verse 5. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and earthquake. Guys, there's a lot going on here, right? After the incense is burned up, after the prayers are heard, he takes a censer, he picks up a burning coal, and he throws it to the earth. Uh Uh-oh. Here's what I want you to write down. Judgment starts. Silence is over. Here we go. Here we go. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. This is so important, okay? The world, the world, the world will not come to the altar for forgiveness. So the altar comes to the world with judgment. Wow. 
This also gives the idea that the judgment that follows is the answer to the prayers of the saints. You go, what prayer? Do you guys remember how we pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That part, right? Thy kingdom come. It's coming. It's coming. So this angel, picture it, guys, in your mind. This angel throws this fiery coal to earth, resulting in, can you imagine, thunderings, lightnings, and even an earthquake. And you know how scary those can be. Have you ever been caught in a massive rainstorm or thunder? Or, I mean, it's an unbelievable. This is what's going on, going on on the earth. Look at verse 6. So the, so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets, uh-oh, prepared themselves to sound. You ready? So now they're, they're ready to go. So here it comes. Third point, catastrophes before the end. Look at verse 7. And the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. And they were thrown to earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Guys, can you imagine? Now, your attention. Think about what we've already been. Guys, we're already in the middle of the tribulation. We've already seen death. We've seen famine. We've seen, we've seen all kinds of earthquakes. We, we've seen all kinds. We've seen, we've seen Hawaii go into the ground, if you will. I mean, islands, and we've seen mountains crumble. I mean, this, not us. <laughs> Amen. Not us. Okay? You know what? We're, we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be, we're going to be in heaven eating filet mignon. That's going to be good. That's going to be a great, it's going to be a great banquet up there. Oh, man. Man, that's going to be good. We're going to be hanging out. Wow. Wow. But the people that are left behind, and that's what we're here for. The people that are behind, guys, they're already, they're already devastated. Okay? There's already mass chaos. And now, here it goes. Here it goes. Here's what we need to understand. You guys put your thinking caps on, okay? Hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and, they were, and guess what happened? A third of the trees were burned up, and a third of the grass was burned up. Everybody got that, okay? So one question that always comes up in the book of Revelation is, are these things literal, or are they figurative and symbolic? For instance, when we read these type of things happening, we see many a comparison to what? To what we would know as a nuclear explosion, Okay, now check this out. When, when a nuclear warhead is detonated, it brings immediate firestorms. Walls of fire traveling as fast as 250 miles an hour, sweeping across the land, destroying everything in its path. So some read this and go, well, well how, is, how does it say that one-third of the trees and the green grass are burned up? Well, it probably is a, probably a nuclear explosion, Okay. And uh, I read a story which happened several years ago when some uh, above-ground nuclear tests were being done on one of the Bikini Islands there in the South Pacific. Island was completely blown up, and here's what happened. A lot of those water surrounding the island was thrust into the air about a 1,000 feet that when it reached the atmosphere, it actually froze, and it came back down in the form of large hails. So there's a lot going on here. But what I prefer to look at it is it's literally... You go, like what? Well, like the plagues of Egypt, okay? God is striking the earth. The prophets took them literally. Jesus took them literally. And I felt I'm in good company to take the scripture literally. Can I get an amen? However, I do believe with the great earthquake and the hail and the fire happening, it's very possible that it could be 
caused by a nuclear explosion. I mean, very possible. It's also interesting that these first four trumpets are blown to see um, the earth is pulverized in four distinct areas. You guys, what are they? Jot these down. Okay, it's going to go against first the land. Then it's going to attack the salt water or the oceans. Then we're going to see the fresh water and then the suns, then the heaven, sun, and the moon and the stars. So four different areas is going to be right here. These are the first four trumpets, all of these. You go, okay, so what, what's the point? Think about this. The first trumpet, hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Okay? So hail and fire are frequently associated with what? With divine judgment. Okay? Genesis 19.24 says this. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. You guys know that. And from the Lord out of the heavens. Exodus 9.23 says, Moses stretched out his hand. Uh, the rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Both of those were what? Santo's divine judgment. Okay? So you got that in your mind. One commentator I read said this. Notice that the hail and fire mingled with blood. The, the blood probably indicating a great number of people killed. Okay? However, this happens in incredible sight. Ice and fireballs descending upon the earth. What's going to happen? A third of the trees are burned up and all the green grass is burned up. Okay? Can you imagine what effect that's going to have? Guys, this is all that God put us so that we can live. Think about this, man. It's not only going to affect the balance of nature, but it's also going to affect, listen to me, the food supply. Think about fruit trees. And the destruction of pasture lands. If the pasture lands grow, guess what happened? It's going to devastate the meat in the milk industries. There's not going to be any food. This is what's happening. Guys, think about it. That's the first one. One third. Verse 8. Then the second angel sounded, oh, no, not again. And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Guys, before the world can catch its breath, here comes another one. Okay? You can imagine. Now, let me just, let me just tickle your ears for just a second. Think about this. If the weather person says that we're going to get some snow and accumulation and we're going to have a frost, the shelves at the grocery store are wiped out in a matter of minutes. There's something in us that says, oh, we got to go to the store. we got to get to the store. we got to have food. we got to have food. And, and so we go. This, this is already, there's no food. Guys. There's no, hey, I, I need to go to United. There's nothing left. And even those that may be surviving on fruit trees, Pears and apples gone. There's nothing left. And now, the second trumpet. Something like a great mountain, guys. Something like a great mountain burning with fire thrown to the sea. 
And it says, a third of the sea became blood. First, it's ice with fire coming from the sky. As people are watching, all of a sudden it looks like a flaming mountain. It descends about them, right? Like uh, Mount Pelamore, Mount Everest. No doubt, no doubt you guys know what this is. It's a great meteorite coming. A great meteorite coming. And as a result, here's what's going to happen. A third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures die in the sea, and a third of the ships are destroyed. Okay, so all of a sudden, the ocean is a mess. The ocean. And this will be an ecological and an economic disaster. This will be, this will be the end of it. Guys, think about this. Considering the oceans occupy three-fourths of the Earth's surface, can you imagine the extent of this judgment? It's also interesting to note that the Atlantic Ocean makes up one-third of the world's ocean. And it's been said that one-third of the ships are afloat today in that region. So that's gone. Wow. So, wait a minute, Ben. You're saying that all of a sudden grass is burned up one-third. Guys, think about one-third of the world. Think about one-third of the trees. Now the oceans. And there's no, there's no seafood. There's no, there's, it's all blood. It's, 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 they can't, there's no food supply there. You see, because, Mike, we could say, well, wait a minute, if there's, no, if there's no pasture land, well, I won't eat meat, I'll just eat fish, and we can get fish, and, well, now that's, that's judgment, and people won't turn to God at this point, okay? So just when they're trying to get their heads around this, and, and you have world leaders trying to figure out what's going on, and you're trying to say, and they're trying to do all of this stuff, we have verse 10, then a third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a what? No, 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 a third of the rivers and the springs of the water, And the name of the star was Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died from the water because it was made bitter. So so you can tell. Man's going to go, wait a minute, we can't get our water. Okay, so we still have good water supply from the mountain. Let's go to the mountain. Let's go to the streams. Let's go to the rivers. (laughs) Well, the third trumpet, guys, is doom. And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on one-third of the rivers, the spring waters, And the name of the star was Wormwood. God's wrath reaches inland and touches rivers and fountains of water, making fresh water taste bitter like Wormwood. Rivers. Now, the National Geographic Society lists about 100 principal rivers in the world, ranging in length from the Amazon, which is 4,000 miles long, uh, to the Rio de la Plata, which is 150 miles long. The U.S. Geological Survey reports a 30 large rivers in the United States, 30 large ones, beginning with the Mississippi, which is 3,710 miles long. Now, I'd live next to the Mississippi, and I wouldn't drink that water anyway. But if that's all there was. But now it's, now it's bitter. One-third of these rivers and their sources will become so bitterly polluted, guys, that drinking it was going to kill you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It makes you thirsty right now, doesn't it? See, I have a bottle of water right here. I'm going to take a drink because it made me really thirsty. I know what you're thinking. I can handle it. I'm a survivor. That's what a lot of people think. I can handle it, man. But what if you have children? 
What if you have, what if you have unbelieving parents and you all get left behind? And you're watching them slowly die and you can't give them a glass of water. And that's all they want. They just want, they just want a drink and you're going, I can't. You see, we can probably live a, a little bit longer without food, right? But we can't live without water. We need water. We need fresh water. We have no, we have no food from the oceans. The ships are gone. The, the trading is all gone. And what it's going to do, if I may, and it's just my opinion, what it's going to do for those that are left behind, it's going to make coronavirus look like nothing. Oh, if only we were dealing with coronavirus. I'd be happy to stay home as long as I had food, as long as I had water, as long as I... It's going to make any of this. Any of this that we've experienced up until now, it's going to make it... This is... This is wow. Wow. Bethany, tell me what it's going to do. I'll tell you what. Listen, it's either going to make you come and, and give your life to Jesus or it's going to make you angry towards him, don't you think? Why was God doing this? But just when you can't catch your breath, here's, here's the next one. Look at verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, and a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. What? Guys, he sounds the third one, and it says the moon. Now, let me just give you a commentary, okay? Let me just give you a commentary. Sciences, scientists were talking about a, a fallout of a nuclear holocaust, Mike. And they describe what they call a nuclear winter, okay, where the Earth's light would be significantly darkened, causing a temperature to drop significantly around the world. For instance, on the West Coast, they suggest that the high temperature would be 15 degrees much cooler at night and in winter. So if you're planning on being here, I would invest in some warm clothes. Imagine the devastation on the crops and the animal life. If, if the meteor did not kill, all of this judgment did not kill, guess what happened? Animals that are survived were going to freeze to death. Everything, guys. You got okay. If we hadn't just experienced a touch of this in February, we wouldn't know, would we? It was just a touch. We had a, we had a massive cold spell for about a week. That was just us. We were sort of panicking. We need firewood. What if the electricity goes out? The electricity did go out on some areas. Now, here's something worth noting. Many of the judgments, guys, we see in this book are similar to the plagues that hit Egypt. You go, what do you mean? Well, first he turned the Nile, right, to blood. Why? Because the Egyptians worshipped the Nile. Then they sacrificed their firstborn because the God of the Nile would bless them. God's saying, don't worship a river. 
Most of the plagues, guys, were connected in these were connected to the gods that they worshipped. You guys understand? And I think we can see some similarity here. Why? Because these first four trumpet judgments, what do people worship today? The planet? The stars? Guys, the animals in the ocean? We can see a lot of that happening. And I think God's going to go, listen, these are not God. I am God. You see, right now, my Jesus, he died on the cross, and he's saying, I bid you to come. I have all the, I have everything you ever need. I bid you to come. But here, I feel like God's standing up going, I am God, and there is no other. And then in verse 13, guys, it says, woe, woe, woe. These woes do not refer to what has already happened, but about what's to come. Do you guys see that? Verse 13, he says, and I look, and I heard an angel flying to the midst of the heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of these remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to say, he's going, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is, that's what he's saying. He's going, guys, listen. And mankind is devastated. And again, I think you have a remnant of people coming to the Lord, understanding I've got to get right with God, even if it, even if it means my life. Why? Because I'm going to die anyway. And you'll have a group of people shaking their fist at God going, no, 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 no. No, no, let's go. And God's going, no, 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 you, you don't understand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's about to get worse. So let's close with this, guys. I know, I know it's, I know it's encouraging. I get it. Let's close with this, guys. Four effects, four effects, jot this down four effects that judgment has on our lives, okay? Because we can experience judgment now to a degree. Not like this, but let's talk about it, okay? First of all, judgments frighten us. You go, yeah, yeah, they do. I don't want to be here. See, they're intended to, though. They are sent to arrest our attention. They chill our blood. They alarm us. They scare the living daylights out of us. And that is the first effect of judgment, to arouse fear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Listen, COVID-19, coronavirus, that's not the judgment of God. Although it produced the same thing. Oh, it produced fear in people. This is judgment. This is what, this is what the judgments do. Number two, guys, it terrifies us. Why? Because judgment should sober us. C.S. Lewis said, um, well said in a judgment that, quote, God's megaphone to reach a deaf world, unquote. That's what judgments do. It should be a sobering effect on people, and they begin to see what, what is really important. This is also what judgments do. They help us reassess our lives to change our priorities. I got to be right with God. Number three. Judgments correct us, guys. Judgments strip away our illusions. It restores us to reality. They force us to face unpleasant facts about ourselves. Now, again, 
I think about this, I think about this with, the, with the current pandemic. You know what it's caused me to do? I know it's not the judgment of God, but it's caused me to reassess my life. It's what's really important. What's really important is the gospel of Jesus Christ going out to the whole world. And we keep trying, and we keep trying. And I can almost see the heart of people going, yeah, <laughs> I, more than anybody, want to get back to normal. I'd love to go back to the same things we used to do. I'd love to fill the United Spirit Arena and cheer on our team. I'd love to do all of these things. We'd love to travel and go flying and do all of this stuff. Go back to Israel. We'd love to do that, but that's not going to happen. The world has changed. So I have to reassess my heart. My heart is for God and God only. That's what we need to do. Number four, judgment humbles us. We begin to see that we're really not in control, are we? We, do not, we don't run everything about our lives. We have to trust. But here's the one thing that we need to remember in talking about this and studying this portion of Scripture, the tribulation. God isn't looking forward to this either. You know, his attitude isn't, man, I can't wait to get in there and just, oh, that, that earth, I just can't. That's not God's attitude. Listen to what Peter tells us, guys, as we close. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. He says, But heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some call slackness. But he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works and all that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. That's what we need to do. Be ready. Father, thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Although it was really heavy, we know, God, that you are in control and we know that you're moving mightily. Lord, I thank you for our watching audience. I thank you for our listening audience. I thank you for our, li- our radio audience, Lord. I just, um, I just pray for them. Lord, our purpose as a church, our purpose as Christians is to do our very best not to see anybody left behind to experience, God, this devastation. And, Lord, man is so, so, so prideful sometimes that they feel like they can get through it. Oh, no big deal. 
Lord, you say, you say you, you, to come now. It is a big deal. We have never experienced anything in our life, Lord, like that. So my prayer is for every unbeliever right now, listening, watching, scrolling. Anyone who's, who's listened to this podcast, maybe we'll be gone by tomorrow. And you're listening to this, please surrender your life to God right now. He is the God that cares for you. He's the God who loves you. He's the God who died for you. He's got a place for you and he's got a plan for you. And all you have to do is open up your heart and invite him inside. He takes away all the yuckiness. He throws away your sin. He washes you white as snow. But you have to make that step. You have to say yes to him. Oh, I pray that the gospel would get in in each one of our hearts, God, to change us, to make us more like you. We thank you, God, for tonight. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.